This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Sammy Bailey, welcome to Better Reading. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're very, very thrilled to have you. We were just saying before we hit record that Sammy's 17 and has written four books. <laughs> I've just been, I've been writing in the womb. I've been ready to go <laughs> the whole time. She's not 17, just joking, just kidding. But she's accomplished a lot in her uh, in her very young years is what I will say. She's an award-winning natural history illustrator from Tamworth, New South Wales. Her first book, The Illustrated Encyclopedia of Ugly Animals, won the Children's Indie Book of the Year Award and the Australian Book Design Award for Younger Readers. Her second book, The Illustrated Encyclopedia of Dangerous Animals, was a CBCA Honour Book and Arbia Book of the Year Award for Young Children. Wow. Her latest book, How Come We Came to Be, Surprising Sea Creatures, is all about the evolution stories of some of the most amazing sea creatures. I mean, it is a really beautiful book and it's so intricate and so much um, information, I think. Yes. Beautiful. It was it was a lot of information to that I had to narrow down and kind of cram into even less words because this is obviously a picture book, so I didn't have 128 pages to play with like I have in the past, 32, and so I had these animals that I wanted to focus on and try and choose the most important bits of information and then compress it and then make it summarised to the best facts. So it was a lot of fun, but it was also very stressful. Mm. Uh, because it's non-fiction, right? It's uh, a non-fiction hybrid. So it's yes. kind of that middle, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do people often compare you with Graham Bass? <gasps> no, but I wish. I oh. grew up loving Graham Bass. He's one of my biggest inspirations. I had my parents reading his books in the hallway to help me go to sleep and just like the waterhole, finding all of those little animals at the top mm. and just the beautiful illustrations. So um, I wish, but I'll take it. Oh, do you know, because when I picked it up, the first thing I thought was Graham Bass. Mm. And I thought, oh, this is going to be the new Graham <gasps> Bass. Cool. That's what I thought. I'm, I'll put that in my resume. Yeah. And I'll quote okay. you. <laughs> okay. All right. Tell them Cheryl said. Yeah, that would right. be so. I, I love his work. And I think, it will, obviously, it shows through then that he has been it an inspiration. Because yeah. he's able to transfer these this information about beautiful animals and and get it across in a in a in a scientific way essentially mm. with those illustrations and he mm. doesn't need to rely on cartoony illustrations to entertain kids and get them excited and draw them in and appreciate it mm. and i think that's what i've always wanted to do is show kids that you can show the true beauty of these weird creatures by making them look scientifically correct as well. Mm. Okay, I want to go back to how, how this whole career came off. You know, you're a young person and it's not easy to navigate being published, as you probably know. No. So go right back. Where did um, your love – so you're the illustrator and writer. Yes. Right. I mean, and that, again, is another mm. skill. I never wonderful. thought I would be the writer. I thought, to be honest, that they were going to get another author to do yeah. that work. Yeah. And they said, no, you do it. You do it. So, okay, let's go right back. So where did you grow up? 
And did you ever think that you were going to be a published author? You know what? No. Um, I grew up, I've moved a bunch. So I was born in Katoomba, lived in Queanbeyan for a couple of years and then at early primary school moved to Port Macquarie mm-hmm. and did my rest of my schooling there. And we had a small acreage of about five acres um, and we had weird pets. So we had donkeys, uh, Frida mm-hmm. and Fabio. We had um, miniature ponies. We had um, chickens, uh, kind of the normal kind of animals at that point. And we lived really <laughs> close to a zoo. And so right down the road, and we would often hear the animals. So you could hear the lion roaring and you could hear um, monkeys. The um, bushland, what's it called? Billabong Koala Park, um, right right near the donut, if you ever go to Port Macquarie. Yeah. Big roundabout. um, So they're private zoos there. I think so, yeah. Yeah. And it's gotten bigger over the years. It used to be really small with like, you know, kind of native animals. Um, And... We would often pass, we'd be walking our dog down the road and we'd pass the dingo and our dogs would be like, what the hell is that? That's right, crazy, crazy. Yeah, Yeah. and then a cassowary escaped. And if you don't know anything about cassowaries. I don't. They're kind of like an emu, but like a mega emu with a a, a horn known as a cask (gasps) or cask on their head. And they have these huge talons on their feet, which can disembowel, which Mm. means to cut your innards out. And um, and they're incredibly dangerous, one of the most dangerous birds. And uh, it escaped and it came to his house and uh, he came home at night and he found it between him and his door as he was taking his shopping home. And he was mortified and he was fine. They ended up getting it and everything was okay. But I've just had such weird interactions with animals growing up and mum's an artist. So it was all very natural where I was appreciating weird animals and drawing them. And so I got to high school uh, and I kept kept practicing, kept practicing, got to year 12. I wanted, uh, just want to go back quickly to primary school. Yeah. In terms of moving around a lot, was that challenging for you as a young child? Surprisingly, no. no. Um, I, I look back and I'm like, oh, you would think, you know, because yeah. you see a lot of people just not settled and then they struggle making friends. Mm-hmm. Um, not you. <laughs> no. I think my sister had more of an issue because she was older. Yeah. So I, when I, I went from, prim- I was young before schooling with a lot of the moving mm-hmm. and then I went from year two at one school, moved to year three at another school and stayed there the whole time. Right. So I was kind of set, but my sister was in year six and year mm, five and harder. then a new high school and then a different high school. So she kept changing. Mm. Um, but no, fortunately I managed to find a really good friend base. Um, and then family's always been super supportive and so mm. it's been hassle free, mm-hmm. but yeah. So now you're in high school. Yes. Get to high school, keep practicing, get to year. Practicing drawing. Yes. All the time, drawing. So you think drawing's your thing? Yeah. Drawing 100%. Mum and dad would be buying me those how to draw an animal book and Mm -hmm. it'd be like circle this, so circle here, and then you've made a squirrel. Yeah. And so... What kind of artist was your mum? Was she a painter? She's a painter. Yeah. she's a painter. She used mainly acrylic and oil paint. Yeah. And she loved doing them huge. So say like, like, you know, it would fill a wall, like they'd Mm. be big. And she'd do portraits of our pets. Oh, how lovely. And so we had Lee's, you know, just my dog would be on the wall. Wall and it would be awesome. And so we had these um, big portraits and mum was like, you got to try painting. And I'm like, I hate painting. I like pencil and that's it. She keeps telling me now, you got to try oil paint. And I'm yeah. like, it's too hard. Do you know what? I think I love your family already because <laughs> I love people who love animals. Oh, yes. And I love people who love art. Well, you'd fit right in. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Come and join us. <laughs> we had this little tree out the front of our house and it was this weird, like, it was just full of kind of little vines and it was just a stump essentially. And it had um, lots of frogs and then those tiny little frogs, they look like green tree frogs, yes. but they're different. And we call it the frog tree. And so every morning we'd go out and you'd find at least 10 tiny frogs on there. And I ended up writing my speeches about it at school and had both parents helping me write speeches and they were very supportive about 
all of that stuff. So I think, and we'd go to the Australian Museum as kids mm. and, and zoos. Yeah, wow. So I think they really helped flourish my love. And, you, you know, I didn't have people being like, oh, that's boring or that's stupid. Mm. What and are you doing? Dis- yeah, 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 yeah. Go and get your maths book out. Exactly. Or, yeah. you know, that's not a real career wanting to do yeah. art. And so I kind of was like, I want to do art, but I don't, I don't want to be a teacher because I want to be selfish and I want to do the painting mm. and the drawing. Mm. And I feel like a lot of teachers, art teachers, they don't get that chance. They are helping mm. others and they're mm. teaching, obviously. And often many of them have sacrificed their exactly. career to teach. Yeah. And, and, and they get to do it in their own time, I'm sure. But sometimes, well, a lot of the time, teachers are so exhausted because of yeah. how much workload they are mm. doing. They don't get that opportunity to... Ex, you know, just experience and do all their own art. And so I wanted, mm. like, what is there out there for that, you know? At school, did you, particularly in high school, was was your passion nourished? Like, was there an understanding yes. of, from the art teacher? That, yes. yes. I've been so lucky with my art teachers. Yeah. I had two um, throughout my high school. Um, one, Miss Perez, she's she was like my, my school mother. Mm. And um, she would take me in. And of course, you know, high school, you're having boyfriend issues. And, and she would just be a welcome. She'd give me a hug and she'd say, it's okay, you know, you know, this is your safe space if you're, you know, feeling down and you just come to the art room. And she was she was so supportive. And if you wanted to be there, especially with elective art, you wanted to be there, then she was happy to have you and she had no time for anyone else who was being silly. Mm. And so if you wanted to be there... Mm. You know, and do the work. And do the work. She would, she would really help you. And so that was incredible. And then in year, I think it was maybe year 11 and 12, I had a different art teacher, Mr. Cato, another favourite of mine, <laughs> Be- beautiful people. And he was a lot more timid. And so I think I scared him sometimes because I was like, I want to do this now. And he was like, okay, okay. whatever you want to. And so, and they've just been so supportive and, and beautiful. Did you do HSCR? Yeah. And, and they. what was your work, your final work? I did. It wasn't animals, believe it or not. So oh. I was drawing, I don't know if you've ever heard of the artist, but Alex Party. No. So he does, it's hard to explain, but he does really kind of graphic, um, like, scenes of, of, you know, things bursting out of, of heads and mouths and quite graphic kind of um, graphic novel sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. he mainly does art rather than books. And I loved all of that burst of colours and kind of gory stuff. I was mm. really like weird And it weird tells things. a story, It right? does. Yeah. And I... I at that point, I loved weird things. Yeah. And so I was doing it and I was like, whatever's weird, everyone's yeah. doing beautiful pictures and I'm like, I need to do something weird. And my um, sister had been going through an eating disorder. And oh, so, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, she's, she's good now. So, um, good. And she's thriving. And so at the time she was struggling with that and so it was very much involved in her life and, of course, my life. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up doing an illustration of a graphic pencil illustration. It was three panels. The bottom panel... Um, had a really skinny kind of gaunt body and it was drawn in pencil, leaning over so you could just see the spine mm. on the back of the person kind of cradling themselves. And you couldn't see the head because mm. the head was actually removed and in the second panel and it was floating away and it was a portrait of me because I didn't want to draw my sister. Mm. Um, but it was a portrait of me and it was just my face and carrying it away with um, coloured pencil drawings of uh, I think I had about 40 hands, hands carrying it away, pulling off bits and pieces, pulling it, the pressures of society, essentially pulling her apart, or me apart. And they had just hands going through all the panels until the very far panel, I think, um, I'm trying to remember, had another hand in grey pencil. Mm. So she was being torn apart and I had it was very emotive piece and lots of hands and lots of kind of human elements. 
and um, and angst. I don't imagine. And angst. And I think it was as much about her as it was about how I was dealing yeah, with some of those you pressures. Loved it. Yeah, yeah, of course. And it's it's obviously very challenging seeing someone going mm. through all that stuff. And I feel that it's such an unusual disease in that. You know, and it is a disease Mm. and, you know, usually with diseases, people take the medication and, you know, go and see the doctor and whatever. Mm. But when you have eating disorders, it's it's not that. Like, it's so hard because you have to try and force the person to eat and that's not how we we are and so it's kind of a way it's not intuitive to what we do so it makes the drama even worse. Exactly and it's it's quite often like people say – you know, it's not something that you can avoid. Say you have a, an, an addiction to maybe smoking cigarettes. Mm. You Eventually, if you can, you, you cut that out. But eating is something that you have to do to stay alive. You can't mm. cut it out People fully. People die. Yeah, and you yeah. can't, you can't, you have to try and build a healthy relationship. And that's mm. so challenging when it's sitting in front of you and mm. you, you struggle with it. And so... It's mm. a very challenging thing that a lot of people go through. And so I really wanted to focus on that um, in the art uh, for HSC. Um, and then at the end of HSC, I got pretty good marks. I was never great in the uh, writing side of things because I think I, I I don't want to say I have dyslexia because I haven't gone to the troubles of spending a lot of money and time going to see psychologists to get the assessment. Um, So I don't want to claim it if I certainly haven't gone to that effort. But I struggle at the best of times to Mm. read out loud, to read things, to write things. And even like reading my own books, I get this mad anxiety of reading out loud because I'm like, people should think I know how to read my books out loud, but I'll trip up on the simplest of things and really struggle. And so I've always struggled with that. And so writing, I was just not good. And I thought, you know, I'm never going to be an author. No, there's no no way. I I get terrible marks. Mm. Um, I love writing. I had a diary that I've kept and it's hilarious. So talking about from year three, I think I kept a diary. Oh, goodness me. And it's hilarious. What did you have to say in year three? Oh, you don't want to know. Um, (laughs) I dated this boy today and I dumped him tomorrow because he tried to hug me on the school bus. (laughs) And I said, go away. And then I dated his best friend. (laughs) It's horrible. And so, and then it's like, uh, we dressed up for crazy hair day and I had green, green paint in my hair. So very um, simple things in life. Yeah. Um, but it's hilarious to just watch, I mean, my terrible spelling to begin with, but just to watch just the things that I thought were important in my life and what I was dealing with. Well, and also too, you know, you could look at it in a way, I think, um, putting pen to paper, Mm. that it really is just a vehicle for telling a story. It is. So the important thing is the story. Exactly. It doesn't matter about the spelling. If someone can still read it and it's legible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what editors are for. Exactly. I needed an editor for my, uh, although I think (laughs) mum and dad occasionally would go through and make sure I'm okay and everything, but I'd be like, get away from my diary. (laughs) But it's just, you know, I think it was... Getting my thoughts out was so therapeutic mm. as a primary student up into high school years. And I think even a couple of years ago, I remember just before the book came out, the first book, I put an entry in. It's the same diary that I've had because it's got a lot of pages, luckily. And I put in, you know, I'm very anxious. I don't know if people are going to like this book. Maybe it won't go anywhere. Maybe just my family will buy it. And then a couple, I think it's like a couple months later, a year later, I put an update, like, you know, just the the differences and what's happened. And I think I'll really appreciate that when I'm older as well. Mm 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So I want to go back to how how it is that you made your first book. Mm. I mean, how did it? Were you, so when you finished school, did you go on to art school? Yes. So yeah. I got to year 12 and I was like, I want to be an artist of some kind. But, uh, you know, the only way to be a successful artist paying the rent is, you know, you have to be huge. You have to make it. And how do you get there as a young person? Well, it's a bit like writing. Exactly. You've you, got to work the hard years. Yeah. And then if you're lucky, you get there. Yeah. And I didn't have the patience for that. I didn't want to work a casual part-time job, but I did. And I was working at a water slide and I was spraying oh, people's fun. feet, with <laughs> getting the sand off before they climbed up, ah. which was, was fun as a teenager because most of the time we're just going down the slide ourselves. Yes. Um, and so I'd I love just, that. That'd be fun. It was hilarious. Getting, yeah. um, it's during summer. Yeah. Um, love it. And then we got Sydney a, summers. Oh, it was in Port Macquarie oh, right. and it was, it was warm and it was beautiful. Mm. Never a bad day. And then my mum was looking through university degrees. And she said, you know, Sammy, I found a degree called a Bachelor of Natural History Illustration. And I said, what, what is that? You know, it's a complex term. And a Bachelor of Natural History Illustration. Yeah. And so it's a fancy way. I just didn't way. even know that that existed. You're one of many. It's right. the only one in the Southern Hemisphere of its kind. So yeah. not just Australia, but the Southern Hemisphere. And um, it was basically, it was at Newcastle University, so yeah. only maybe two hours away from where mm-hmm. I was living. And a great spot. Newcastle's and a beautiful, beautiful spot. It's like a bigger Port Macquarie, really. Mm. And um, I had a family who was willing to move for me to do this course. because Lane. Oh, was, they all moved with you. Yeah. Well, Lane, Lane was older. My older sister, she was older and she was living in Port and settled and doing her thing and she was happy. And so mum and dad said, you know, we can try and help you get accommodation down there. But as a young person, that's hard to get a rental and sometimes... You know, it's a bit scary. So we'll, we'll make that step with you. So we moved down to Morpeth. Don't know if you've ever been wow. to Morpeth, but uh, it's a cool spot. Yeah. It's, um, it's a uh, heritage-listed town or I can't remember, something like yeah. that. And um, and so we moved there to start this degree. And it's basically a combination of art and science where you learn how to scientifically illustrate plants and animals and many other things, three-year course. And I had a How small many people cap- in that course? Well, when we started, so first year, about 40, oh, okay. I'd say. But a lot yeah. of those people were coming in to do certain subjects and then popping back out for other subjects. Right. And then by the fourth year, which was elective honours, if you wanted to do honours, but otherwise it was three years, fourth, there was, I think, eight of us. Yeah, wow. So it really narrowed it's very down. very specialised. Very special. They really didn't try and promote it, which yeah. I think 
um, aided in it falling apart because it doesn't exist anymore. Ah, uh, right. Which what is really sad because yeah, it was so special. And the yeah. lecturers, I got lucky so so much again. I found my uni parents and mm. they were fantastic and they just supported me and helped me learn how to use so many different techniques and start building my, my kind of skill. Mm. Uh, and so I did that for three years and all, I think through the three years, the fourth years of honours, maybe four writing activities, writing essays, things. The rest were um, practical artworks. So mm. every assessment, you need to, say, go out and find um, a topic of an animal that you want to paint and then bring back after two weeks a painting of this creature and we'll mark you on that. And we'll use different mediums. We will explore and different topics. And were you writing about this creature as well as illustrating it? Yes. Cre- yes. Very small. So it was very much like go out, find a description of this creature, help that dis- get that description to help you understand this creature to then mm-hmm. draw it. Mm. Um, and if it's plants, you know, learn mm. about this Because they don't model thing. for you, do they? No, but we <laughs> did actually have a taxidermy room. Oh, you did? We did. And it still exists there. But I have to be, you know, careful because I don't... There's not there's not many left of these beautiful um, taxidermy areas, but um, this beautiful space it was like a big big master bedroom size yeah enormous yeah and um, it had a- an albatross hanging from the ceiling obviously taxidermy not alive yes. and um, we had uh, cabinets of different animals we had drawers and drawers of bugs insects wow. um, snakes skulls everything you could think of and for our lessons we'd be sent upstairs pick an animal any animal, take it downstairs to the big kind of drawing areas, sit it in front of you and sketch it. And it was incredible how important this sketching from life was because you could see the creature in front of you and instead of working from a flat 2D image or reference picture, say of a pigeon, you go, oh, does it have a claw there? Is that a hint of a claw in a photo? I can't see. Does it have that many feathers? What's happening here? Yeah. You just turn it around. And then suddenly you know the answer. It's no guessing and you Mm. can get that scientifically correct information. Do you know um, Layla Jeffries? I know the name. The bird um, photographer. The bird photographer. Yes. I mean, I've always loved the work, but I I always thought, are they real birds? They well, they are. Yeah. They're real live birds. I saw her her author picture. She has this beautiful palm cockatoo. And yeah. I thought, I want to get that for my yeah. author picture. Beautiful relationship with birds. It's, it's not stunning. just the photographs. It's how she interacts with the birds exactly, as well. Exactly, because you need to have a special relationship with you those do. birds because they're not going to just sit there and enjoy mm. you if mm. they're not feeling calm and mm. safe. Mm. And I love birds. I mm. love birds. Beautiful. They're, they're stunning. And so it was just this awesome space and we did that. And then, oh, my life story goes on forever. Um, and then my we got to honours and I was oh, at end of year, third year actually, mm. and I did a portrait of a bin chicken or an ibis. I'm sure you know of them. Do Sydney? you know? We were only talking about them because I live in a park. Okay. Yeah. I do. My yeah. apartment is in a park oh, and we nice. call it the tree house. Um, oh, wow. But we was, I was out there with friends just sitting out in one of the tables the other day. I thought, oh, they've got to be, I think I said it out loud, they've got to be really one of the most unattractive birds around. <laughs> really. They're not pretty. They are. No, you've got it. Um, yeah. and, and I drew it because it was an ugly bird. It's an ugly bird. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's known... And how sad because other I'm... than that, we treasure them, you know. Exactly. Because what else we have in the park is kookaburras, and right. I'm mad on kookaburras. Do they steal your food when you are they brave oh enough to? Oh my gosh, they come up and sit on my balcony. Oh. And do you know that the terrible thing about that is I can't do anything if they're right. there. I just have to sit there and look at them, and then nothing gets done. <laughs> <You're> time wasting <laughs> though. That's just right. be one with the kookaburra. But I am just in awe of them. Yeah. Anyway, back to your story. Oh, no, they, I remember. Do you know Lizanelli? 
No. Oh, she's a she's an awesome a awesome um, illustrator. Um, she's moved to the UK now, but um, she was from Newcastle and a couple of areas, and she does kids books, and she's right. awesome. I went to Taronga Zoo with her. We we're doing a CBCA event, and we've just left the um, canteen food area, and she's bought a croissant, and you know they're expensive yes. at Taronga, <laughs> and she's walking about to eat it, and this kookaburra swoops down, takes it straight out of her hands, narrowly missing her mouth, they're and bold. it's gone. Yeah, and she's like. That's like twelve dollars more gone. <laughs> it was right. the, I couldn't believe what I had yeah. seen. But uh, okay, yeah. all right. Back to the ibis. Sorry, yes. I distracted no, you. No, no, <laughs> good, good distraction. Um, so ibises are known for being ugly. There's yes. many different kinds of ibises as well. And they've got a bit of a smell. They do. And it's not just because they're in urban environments. They live in wetlands usually um, uh, okay. and stagnant water yeah. stinks yeah. bad. So yeah. it is pretty normal that they stink. Yeah. Um, and bin chickens, of course, they're called flying rats quite often as uh, well. Are they? Yeah. I didn't know it's that. beautiful names. Yeah. And things. so I wanted to, it was kind of popular at the time to call them bin chickens. Um, yeah. They were very popular in media and on cards and shirts. And I kind of wanted to get in on that because I knew that I could bring a different perspective to the bin chickens. So I did a research. What, a more empathetic? Yes, um, because I don't know if you know, but a lot of the time these bin chickens are in Sydney and, and urban kind of, you know, these cityscapes because their homes have been turned into car parks. They're oh. beautiful wetland homes, which they usually sit and kind of thrive in and they wade in the water along with spoonbills as well, magpie geese as well. And their homes were being cleared to pop up a car park, pop up uh, a building, a home, uh, uh, whatever it yeah. was. And so they're being now forced mm. either die or go mm. into a new environment. And mm. it's almost a testament to their survival and their adaptations because they now use this long beak that they have, that curved skinny long beak, usually for kind of going into um, muddy kind of little crab holes in wetlands, usually going down and, and grabbing the food out. Now going into bins that a lot of creatures can't reach in, oh, and so right. they, they okay. You've given me a whole <gasps> new perspective. Yeah, so they're just fighting for their life, and they oh. are. They have a wonderful, you know. They're not going to just die and take their homes being destroyed. They're working hard, and and if they see food, they're going to gonna get it. Yeah, yeah, they're adapting, and so I really wanted to share their story and also illustrate a picture, a portrait. So I drew a portrait of it, a quite a big portrait, A3 size, showing their beautiful face because no, they're not traditionally beautiful because they don't have feathers, but they are beautiful. I think that those individual wrinkles covering their bald head are gorgeous. And those big red, uh, I think it's the males, have these red patches on the back of their head that go bright and vibrant during the mating season and under their arms as well in their armpits. And that long, scratchy kind of scaly beak that has seen many things over its lifetime and their mm. beautiful eyes. And and I wanted – and their beautiful white, sometimes brown plumage mm. of their feathers bursting out like a scarf. Mm. And so I drew this picture and then wrote their story about why we should appreciate them and not hate them because they're ugly and they stink and they're in the bins. Mm. We should be sad and because – And they're eating your picnic. Exactly. They're stealing <laughs> your sandwich and your sausages. Um, and, and we should be understanding of what they're going through and why they're acting like that. And so I entered that, comp- that into a uni subject. It was a uni course thing. And then the Australian Museum was having an art competition – And I thought, you know what, I'm going to enter into it. Because I was entering into a bunch of competitions. I wasn't winning them, but I was going for them anyway. And, you know, that's what you do. A lot of authors talk to me about that. That's Mm -hmm. what they do. Keep entering. Scholarships, funds, grants. everything. And eventually it'll pay off. And it did because I ended up 
uh, being the co-winner for an inaugural scientific illustration scholarship with the Australian Museum. Wow. So it was, I don't know if you know, but this is a whole other tangent that I won't get into, but the Scott sisters, have you ever heard of them? No. So they lived a couple hundred years ago uh, and they are thought to be the first scientific illustrators who were females in Australia. Wow. And it was during the time where females were not allowed to study at university. Mm-hmm. And so they were encouraged by their father um, to actually study with him because he was an entomologist. So he studied... Um, insects um, and moths, I think. And so he studied all of that and he trained them up to be these amazing illustrators. And they used single-haired brushes to paint these (gasps) brushstrokes of these moths and the caterpillars and the pupa and stuff like that. And so it was to celebrate them and to celebrate their – because their works didn't get appreciated until they died. Mm. And so celebrating them, and I think it was open to females only maybe. And so I entered the competition. Myself and another lady co-won. We got to halve the prize money, which was 10000 halved. And oh, wow. So I got five grand to go to my uni fees and all my art supplies. Wow, and a lot of money. As yeah. a teenager, that's, yeah. you know, that's winning yeah, the lottery. Yeah, that's a prize. And um, we also got to go down and – go see some behind the scenes of the exhibits Mm -hmm. and do some work if we wanted to, like get in there. The other lady was shy Mm -hmm. and um, she was an adult and she had her life sorted. She had another job. She was doing natural history on the side and I think she was living in another country uh, so she was going back and forth. So she didn't really, wasn't really interested. She had better things to do, I think. And so I went, you know what, I'm going to go for it. And so I trained from Sydney to Newcastle every Friday, I think it was, for about two months to go down to the museum in the morning, get up nice and early, get down, and I would work in the archives and library with the beautiful team there. Mm-hmm. And they showed me hundreds of years old books and they'd open them up and they had the gloves and they had the beautiful bean bags that they rest on. And they showed me these beautiful illustrations in these books and the plates and they showed me how to clean things using these beautiful brushes to clean off mm-hmm. any dust. And then we went through the... Um, the Scott sisters' actual original works and they're in the drawers, how they're being conserved. And I said, can I go to the um, uh, anthropology sort of humans? Yeah. Can I go up to that section? And so they showed, went up and all the PNG beautiful things, all of their traditional stuff that's stored away, not being used because it's not part of the exhibit. Oh, my goodness. It's like a whole new world up behind there that's just storing this stuff. Because what what, oh, what they exhibit is only probably 10% of what tiny. they hold. Yeah, and they yeah. had these um, human skin drums <gasps> wow. and uh, humans, human teeth weapons and all of these different things. And I was in my element being like, yeah. show me this, show me that. And I would go there and I would enter different things into the database. So I was working for them just for free, of course, because I just mm. wanted the experience, wanted to meet people. And I did that for a little while. And then the Sydney Morning Herald shared the story of my Ibis winning that competition. And they said, because the other lady was shy, she didn't want to be part of the photo shoot, so it kind of focused on me a bit more. And it was my picture in um, the park right out the front of the, um, the art gallery, the big art gallery in New South Wales, holding my illustration in the park, painting, pretending to paint, and um, comparing me to the, new, the modern-day scientific illustrator, modern-day Scott Sisters. And I was so, you know, I just couldn't wow. believe it. That was my peak in life, I yeah, thought. Yeah. And the head of publishing <laughs> at Hachette, Children's Publishing, Jean Marie, she saw my spread in the paper, saw my IBIS and my write-up about why we should appreciate IBIS. She contacted my uni lecturer. She had no other way to contact me. Said, you know, I'd love to get in touch with Sammy to 
think about making a book on ugly animals. Mm. So he passed it on to me and said, might be a good idea for, for honours, who knows? And that's just where it started. So uh, Yeah, extraordinary. Hey, now listen, I'm finding all of this exceptionally interesting <laughs> and I'm loving hearing the stories. But it's so unusual that what do your friends think? Oh. <laughs> do they think, ah, oh, he's Sammy, yep. weirdo? <laughs> I know. Luckily, my friends are weird and they're all they're as weird as me. Yep. Oh, and, and I grew up, um, I kind of got rid of the boring kind of friends who like yeah, normal the, things, yeah, yeah, the normies. Yeah. Love it. And, Love um, it. And so my friends, my family and my partner are all equally as weird as me. <laughs> and so you should just see the books that we have at home. We yeah. had, we have, and the weird, like I have a, um, a shrunken um a piranha head in my right. my mum gave me for Christmas. Yeah. And we go, oh, yay, best present ever. So yeah. we're all just weirdos at heart. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love it how you you didn't falter in a way. You didn't no. fall off that path. I don't think it would have taken a lot of pushing down, I think, for me to go, oh, I can't do this and break yeah. me. Yeah. Because I'm, I, I like to think I'm a resilient person, but I like to think that I'm also – a unique and and I try my best to always be different. Yeah. And whether that's just attention seeking, who knows? <laughs> who knows? But it's like if I'm sitting next to you at a dinner table and I ask mm. you what you do for a living, yeah. right? I'm gonna think, mm, okay. Yes. She yep. got taxidermy in her bedroom. I know, yeah. And especially when I get onto the topic of parasites. Yeah. Oh, well. Because that's not a good dinner com- conversation. And a lot no. of people they go, Oh, oh yeah, and they kind of right. go yeah. and I can tell if it's too much yeah. and I tone it down. I can match their energy. Um, but quite often if they're a weird person like me, I'll just, you know, yeah, we'll talk yeah. about, you know, studying and, and drawing the cadavers at uni and, and, you know, it gets wow. wild. Super interesting. We're out of time. Oh, I'm not surprised. No. <laughs> Sammy Bailey, lovely, lovely chat. Uh, the book is called How We Came to Be Surprising Sea Creatures. It's beautiful. It's a picture book. Go get it. Thank you. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere. Or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBookstore. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of ebooks and e audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare it pays to be extra and united healthcare makes it easy with health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company they supplement your primary plan helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods so when it comes to covering your medical bills you can feel good about being a little extra visit uh1.com to find the health protector guard plan for you Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.